This is the EPLOG audio experience. Film is clearly a sophisticated art, possibly the most important art of the 20th century with a rather complex history of theory and practice, writes James Monaco in his book, How to Read a Film. So far in our podcast, The Artists, we have had filmmakers, writers, critics, programmers from some of the top film festivals, musicians, thinkers, defining their combinatorial skills. We at Metaphysical Lab have been striving to expand the realm of our podcast, which in turn gives a wider uh, canvas to the understanding of our experiences. And also we have tied up with Epilogue Media, the podcasting network. So you can find us on their website, Epilogue Media slash The Artist. And of course, you can continue to listen to us on the platforms that you choose from Apple Podcasts to Spotify to GeoSavon to Google Podcasts. Everything is mentioned in the description. And of course, you can reach us uh, on the WhatsApp number and our email ID. I'm your host, Suchita, and I'm looking forward to a wonderful journey ahead with all of you. So did you guys check the last week's episode on Alice Gibler Shade was a small and snacky episode. And we decided to continue that feeling this week with a longer episode on again on Alice Gibler this time with the documentary filmmaker who made this feature-length documentary on Alice Gibler called Be Natural, The Untold Story of Alice Gibler So we have with us Pamela B. Green, the director of Be Natural, where she goes back in time to dig all about Alice and uh, it is because of her that we know more on Alice after 125 years. The film has uh, some of the most important bites from some of the most important people in the business of filmmaking. It's been executive produced by Robert Redford, uh, Jodie Foster, it's got voiceover by Jodie Foster, it's got some of the most important women filmmakers uh, and otherwise giving bites. There is uh, Julie Thamor, there is Julie Delphi, there is Agnes Varda, there is Walter Mersch, the editor, and many more. Pamela B. Green is an Emmy-nominated award-winning filmmaker and founder of PIC, that's P-I-C, an entertainment and motion design boutique. She's a Sundance Institute documentary fund recipient, her documentary Be Natural, the Untold Story of Alice Gibler-Shea was official selection of Cannes Film Festival, Cannes Classics, Telluride, NYFF, BFI. The film released theatrically to critical acclaim in the US and is opening slowly worldwide. It was nominated for a Critics' Choice Documentary Award and won a Cleo for Design. She creative directs, produces film and TV main titles and graphics such as The Bone Series, The Muppets, Twilight, Supergirl and award packages, she advises on internal story sequences and directs commercials for audio and other brands. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Pamela B. Green. Enjoy. Hi Pamela, welcome to our podcast, The Artists, and such a pleasure to have you and our cinephile audience and our listeners are going to be delighted to meet the director of Be Natural, of course, the documentary film on the first woman director, Alice Guy Blaché, 
And thanks to your documentary, Pamela, that we are finding her after 125 years. How did you find her? Well, first of all, thank you so much for uh, having me. It's uh, it's always an honor to talk about Be Natural and Alice Guy Blaché. Sure. Uh, uh, Alice was discovered by the academic world, so I can't fully mm. take credit for that. Um, but when you do research and um, you write books and, and thesis and all these different things, you you pick a slice of the person, whether it's discussing the films or discussing uh, papers or, or different things. And um, I had found out about her. Uh, there was a show on um, television about... Um, Pioneering Women in Cinema and um, by Barbara Streisand and uh, it was Shirley MacLaine that uh, introduced her and uh, I was just completely blown away. I think uh, she appeared in my life at a time that I was ready um, to look at the world from a different lens because uh, my day job, I do opening credits for films. I've worked on award shows, um, commercials, etc. but it was uh, predominantly male-dominated, and I didn't think twice about it. I just accepted it, and um, I really didn't think about a first woman film director because it just wasn't something to think about. It was just, oh, you know, I know Catherine Bigelow, I know Agnes Varda, I know different filmmakers, but I never thought of a first, and the the amount of impact that this woman had on cinema. So I was intrigued and uh, it started as something very simple of looking her up. And uh, then I left it alone. Then I asked more people and you just ask people. And the more I questioned and asked people, the more I realized, wait a minute, um, nobody knows what I'm talking about. I need to do something because I felt that... Um, just so important for an audience outside of the academic world um, and especially younger generation yes. to make her accessible, her story accessible so they would know that cinema was created by uh, both uh, the male and female um, genders. Absolutely. Also, also, I remember, Pamela, that towards the end of the film, uh, you repeated this one specific shot where she mentions that she tried to get her memoir published and nobody wanted to publish it. And when she passed away in 1968, it got published eight years later. So why do you think there has been this lag about not getting uh, the credential of this this woman, this amazing first woman filmmaker out there? Uh, well, I think it's so many reasons. Mm. Um, cinema wasn't taken seriously. Um, mm. Nobody cared. Um, it was such a enormous task um, to try to find this woman's films that were, you know, no listing of her as a director. They didn't do that back then. Mm -hmm. um, you know, two wars, nitrate. Uh, trying to find anything to give her any kind of credentials 
that would uh, support uh, what she had uh, said in the memoirs. Mm. Uh, a lot of people didn't believe her because she didn't have a family that, you know, preserved and collected her films like the Meliers uh, family, etc. So if a lady says she did all this stuff and she doesn't have the proof, maybe some letters and some documents that weren't taking her seriously. It was a, a huge time of, um, after she died to, um, look at that period again and start the restoration, um, process of not just Alice Guy but many, many other uh, filmmakers. And, you know, the obvious thing is, uh, she was a woman. Right. So, you know, if somebody said in the fifties, you know, this woman did all this stuff in the forties, the sixties, I mean, nobody, you know, they, they would say, yeah, right. You know, um, I don't believe that for a minute. So, um, and also there was a lot of identity theft in a different way where a lot of people were taking credit for her work. And of course they believed those people because they were men. Mm. True. There's so, so many variables, um, as to why. And it's, uh, there were so many things going against her. If she would have lived maybe a little bit longer, maybe more uh, would have been found and um, she would have gotten maybe a little bit more recognition. But um, well, it's a little bit of a Greek tragedy, but we fixed it now. So it's good. Right, right, <laughs> right. Do, do you feel better about being a woman director in today's times? I don't, I don't know about feeling better because um, it's been a struggle for me all the yes. way through. I mean, mm. I made Be Natural. It opened mm. in Cannes. It uh, went to Telluride. It went to all these different places. It yeah. was possibly yeah. going to be nominated for an Oscar. I mean, I don't know what that means really. Mm. But um, I don't have my name or email or phone number is not on anybody's Rolodex. Oh, let's call Pamela B. Green and... Uh, let's get her to direct this film um, and let's get her to do that. So um, I have made my own way up until now. So um, I don't expect it to change anytime soon, but I'm okay with that because mm -hmm. at least I get to tell the stories that I want to tell. It's 10 times harder, but the satisfaction is um, there's so much more satisfaction because I get to, pave the way for myself and stories I want to tell in that. And hopefully I get to inspire others of don't wait for other people, get out there and do it yourself so you can make your own content. Yeah, that's a huge, yeah. that's a huge yeah. statement, Pamela. I mean, considering it's coming from you, someone whose film has gone to the biggest and the best of festivals, there is still so much of struggle for women filmmakers out there. I mean, it's unimaginable. You know what? You got to put that aside and you just have to push through and you have to align yourself with people that want to see you succeed and mm. and want to mm. work with you and, and grow with you and don't have, um, you know, ulterior motives and interests only to push themselves forward. And I think that's what's very special about Be Natural. It's completely donation based. Mm. Everybody in the project is... Um, pretty much selfless and um, you know they they joined a movement based on my passion to get this woman out in the world in all these countries in different languages do you 
So, so tell me, Pamela, when you decided that this is the story that must be told, what is the immediate couple of steps that you did that to ensure that this gets on the right track? Um, there's never like a perfect road of how mm. you go about doing things. Not a linear mm. um, way. Right. First, you ask people, and uh, a lot of people tell you, you know, no, and then. You just start doing your own research by yourself at night because you have a day job. Mm -hmm. And um, you um, start telling other people about it and they want to get involved. And then um, uh, Joan Simon had done an exhibition as a curator for the Whitney in uh, New York in 2009. So I contacted her because there was a book that was published. And um, we met. And um, she says, you're going to do this. So whether she put a spell on me or not, I don't know. Hmm. It just becomes like this. It's a snowball, right. you know, and uh, it's slowly building. And I was writing my own checks um, uh, and just spending my own money. And then I didn't have any more money to do that. And um, I did a Kickstarter and... Um, through the Kickstarter, we found donors. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gina Davis, um, executive, told uh, one lady, Jill and Dreyfus, who brought in Regina Scully, and then Jamie Wolf, and then um, Hugh Hefner donated. And it just became like a snowball of people that wanted to be a part of restoring this woman at a larger scale. Mm-hmm. And uh, it took 10 years, almost 10 years. Oh, my God. No, that's 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 a huge huge amount of time. But but tell me about writing the script, uh, Pamela. Did you write the script? How did you set the tone for it? How did you sort of was it like organic? Did you plan everything? You've got your voiceover. You've got Jodie Foster. Oh my God, I'm a huge fan of Jodie Foster. Her voice there. She's also the executive producer. If I'm not wrong. So how did how did how did this whole the visual treatment of the film come together? Um. I did a treatment of what I thought would be interesting. Mm. I didn't write a script okay. because um, mm. I didn't do anything that was conventional. Everybody kept telling me, you don't know what you're doing. You know, you have to do this. You have to do an outline. And I was like, you know what? I don't really care about what you have to say right now. I just need to find new material mm. because mm. if I find new material, that's what's going to unfold is the story mm. because you know, it's like you have to read this, you have to read that. And I didn't want to be associated with what had been done before. I wanted to find new things because I thought a detective story would be more interesting uh, for me personally. Hmm. Um, finding papers, finding films, finding descendants, all these different things. And once I found all of this stuff that took quite a long time, how do you put it together? <laughs> So um, Jody had uh, come along at the very beginning when I told her about the project. She wanted to narrate, which is exactly what he want, we wanted. And then um, uh, I didn't see her for five years. It's only af- as I was collecting the material that I was putting together the pieces to the puzzle. Um, I knew how I was going to open the film. I had an idea how I was going to end it, roughly. Um and then once all the material was collected, we had binders of letters from 1905 to 1904 to 1964, and they were all translated into English. 
And basically at that point, I knew exactly almost where she was at each, you know, period of her life. So I was able to put together a timeline. And then um, that's when we started writing the narration. Mm. Uh, And that's how towards the end is when the narration started really coming together. Mm -hmm. Um, um, And that became the script. But really, I never edited a film before, let alone even cut a, a, a reel to my day job. So I went from not even doing that to editing a full film. Yes. <laughs> that was uh, pretty ridiculous. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> I saw your name. That's like, oh my God. You've done most of the important jobs there. And I'm like, you need to do this if you want to get your film off ground and out there. So, so, so that's brilliant. But Bamla, you mentioned this in the documentary. So, so we know about Edison. We know the we know Melius. We know Lumiere Brothers. We of course do not know Alice Giblache. But Hitchcock mentioned her, and so did Eisenstein. Both were influenced by her. And of course, at that point, there was no language. Photography was you know there, and everybody was discovering the language of cinema. So, do you think, as you made this documentary? Alice K. Blasche was a major contributor in designing, discovering the language of cinema because she also used synchronized sound, special effects, and all these things at that point, which uh, I, I believe uh, Lumiere and uh, Edison were also discovering the same point. Yeah, I mean, I don't like ever using first because right. I think she's part of a group of first, and that's great. Right. I mean, just being part of group and she's definitely one of the initial experimenters with you know experimenting trial and error you know and that's when you're starting out and you're making short films or you know you try things out is this going to work is that going to work or even she was editing her own films too so um Joan Simon was the one who found um the Hitchcock uh aspect and then I had seen a film uh, called the uh, Story of Film, actually, is a series by Mark Cousins, oh. who uh, loves Alice, too. And uh, he had a section of Eisenstein. And honestly, I didn't go to film school, so I didn't even know Eisenstein. Like I, Some stuff here and there, obviously, I knew the basics, but I wasn't into any of that. But when I was looking at the section that he was talking about uh, Eisenstein and he was showing some of the, the, one of his films, I asked uh, a researcher that was working for me, can you see if maybe Eisenstein mentioned uh, Alice? And they're like, oh, that's impossible, blah, 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 blah. So um, then we went through his memoirs and he talked about the film, uh, The Consequences of Feminism. So, um, I think why Be Natural resonates with people in a way is because you have to think about the impossible to make it possible. And I think if you're stuck to the material that is known out there and you're not open to new information, then you're shooting yourself in the foot because you could discover so many things if you question what you're looking at and you wonder and have some kind of imagination of what the possibilities were. If the woman wrote, directed, or produced a thousand films, somebody was watching the stuff that was growing up because the stuff was being distributed in all these places. So, you know, that's how 
these discoveries came about. And I remember even the Academy in, uh, in Los Angeles, I had asked to look at, um, uh, uh, Luella Parsons, uh, materials in the library. And I got pushback on that because I was told, I can't let you look at this stuff for just some mention of Alice and there's not going to be, a, you know, anything about her. Well, in fact there was. So, um, it's unfortunate that, you know, some of the gatekeepers are old school and narrow minded, but I think at the end would be natural. We win because we get to, uh, show that yes, you need to be open-minded and open your archives because you could be sitting on something that can be a piece to a puzzle to somebody else's life. Pamela, there's a girl student in the film and you ask her about Alice Guy Blasher and she says that they have a classroom with her name written on it, but she does not know who is Alice Guy Blasher. Uh, is that a reflection on the future of uh, cinema, future of making movies where the current lot is not aware about the history? Uh, no, I think it's better now because the movie opened in France. Mm. So it's actually still playing in France. I think there was a screening last week. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it took two years to get distribution in France too. A little bit shameful, mm-hmm. but not surprising. Oh my God. Um, I think it's up to the professors in the schools to do the research, to do their homework, to show this person and it's up to the future generation to carry Alice with them to the next thing that they do. So they tell other people and we keep sharing and sharing and sharing. And um, what's great about Be Natural is that it is out there in the world. It's going to open in Brazil and Ecuador and Mexico. We just won the Jane Mercer Award for Focal uh, International Footage and um it's just another way for her, her to be rediscovered over and over again. So I think uh, the younger generation definitely has fallen in love with her. Um, the um, pop culture, she's been listed in many things. And the key is just to continue to pass on the baton, keep mentioning her in books, keep changing the books, and... Um, you know, making her films available, hopefully. Um, They are available in the U.S., some of them. So we just need to keep making sure that people um, discover her um, with all the materials that are out there because of Be Natural and the different archives that have have helped get the story out there. Pamela, what do you think in terms of if we had not had had Alice Guy Blasher, what what part of cinema we would have missed? So much. Um, an entrepreneur, a great, a great writer, uh, hum- humor, <laughs> um, universal storytelling, and also uh, looking at it through the female gaze, right? right? So when you were making the documentary, you found that everything was getting discovered, innovated and created. And versus now, where we have everything ready. So, so, so when you actually came out of the documentary, did you get that? Because I got that feel while I was watching the film and I felt that this is a castaway kind of a feel where you're isolated 
in a in an existence where you are doing every single thing by your own self and suddenly you are back into the civilization where even lighting uh, uh you know a lighter seems so precious at that point yeah i guess it took me a while it was kind of like a little bit of a postpartum depression i guess if that's what we're talking about after the film it was so much work and um definitely um, I haven't talked to people in a long time. I had to completely focus. And uh, I'm still a little bit like that. I used to be extremely outgoing. And, you know, COVID, you don't go anywhere. I go from my living room to my bedroom. But um, um, definitely I've become a different person and much more uh, introverted uh, in some respects. But uh, I still have a sense of humor. Uh, Kasim and I still work together. Uh, we're already on another project, and um, I don't really get ideas per se from movies or you know uh, TV per se when I'm doing a new project. I, I think about architecture. I think about you know reading uh, different things that are interesting to me. Um, I just go about things a little bit differently and I, I don't care really what other people are doing um, if I enjoy watching it great but I'm not trying to compete with anybody else um, I'm just trying to do my own thing and definitely a different person after making the documentary for sure sure and and Pamela in terms of distribution how easy or how difficult was it very difficult mm-hmm Despite despite the fact that it's gone through the best festivals. Well, yes, exactly. So nobody wanted it. They didn't, felt there was no marketability and nobody would see it. And um, they threw it to the wind. So then we took over the sales ourselves into the different territories to make sure there's a theatrical release everywhere. So, you know, it's played wow. in Russia. It's played in Poland. It's going to play in Germany. It's playing in Brazil soon. France, UK, um, and we're working on, it's going to open in China. I mean, it's kind of, but that's our work because Kasma, I was not going to let anybody dictate how this movie was going to go out. And I wasn't going to listen to, you know, them telling me, just give it up and, you know, that's it. This is over because I didn't believe it. So um, I don't care if I influence one person in one country. I don't care. You know, as long as they are, they're going to tell everybody. So um, we can't let corporations or streamers or studios tell you how to get your content out there. As an independent filmmaker, it's your responsibility to see it through. Because if you spend the time, and this is specific, it's not just a documentary, it's restoring somebody back into the world of cinema where she belongs. So it's a little bit more than just a film. You know, it's an obligation to Alice. Absolutely. Totally. And I and I hope it comes to India soon as well and we get to watch it in the bigger screens. Uh, tell me, uh, Pamela, in terms of, you know, you've got the best out there. You've got to get Julie Thamor, you've got Annie Zwarda, you've got Julie Delphi, Gina Davis, Ava, I mean, Jodie Foster for Voice, Walter Murch. How did you manage to get all, of, all these big names? Bugging and begging. 
bugging. I think it took <laughs> two years. Two years to get Walter Murch. Uh, Joan Simon had worked with Agnes Varda, so that was wonderful. And she already loved Alice before. Um, Julie Taymor, I think it was like 80 emails to her publicist oh until... And then when she saw it, she fell in love with Alice. It's kind of... If you're a true filmmaker as a woman and you look at it, it's it's hard not to fall in love with Alice. I'm just the messenger. Um oh. But it did help to have Jody as the narrator. And Robert Redford was my first executive producer. He's the first man behind Alice Blushay to jump this project. So um, I had worked on three of his films. And uh, we talked about it for two years. And then he came on. And um, it was very straightforward. I said, you, you know, you got to help me with this. You know, I got to get this thing going. He's like, well, what do you want to do with this? Because he was shocked as well. And I said, I think I should make a documentary. And, of course, I always say if I could go back in time and strangle myself, I would. Because making a documentary is difficult. And uh, I thought I'd find the tape of the daughter, cut some stuff together, I'd be done. But um, I became obsessed. And it just it was never enough. And there were so many things going against me. So many people telling me, what are you doing? You're never going to get it done. And people left the project in the middle. They made up stories that they needed to have surgeries or all this stuff not to see it through and go through the sweat and tears. And once it got accepted to Cannes, they were the first people to post on Facebook with all the credit. So I had to deal with that. So a lot of people like to ride the wave instead of actually doing the rowing of the boat. So Kasama is is a rower. She's got the muscles. Joan is a rower. And, you know, all the people that helped fund this, they they gave me a motor. They gave an engine to the boat. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, totally. I think. Uh, and and, and t- give me one advice to f- uh, filmmakers out there who are, uh, you, know, you know, venturing out, making films, documentary films specifically. What is it one thing you would like to tell them? Don't give up. Mm-hmm. Uh, be persistent and make sure you have, uh, you might not see the story right away, but keep gathering the material, keep doing the research, don't go on Wikipedia. You know, if somebody says they have something, you know, don't call them once and that's it. Annoy the hell out of somebody until you get what you need for your project and um, don't give up on funding. Because the more you bug people, the more you push, the more you put in the work, they're going to join you. If somebody tells you no, that should give you more energy, more fuel to go and do it. And you should cut that person out. Sure. Don't take no for an answer. More energy and keep going for it. Thank you so much, Pamela, for your time and for oh, uh, for this no, beautiful you. talk. So cinema was not created by one gender, but by both the genders. But we see cinema through the eyes of one gender. Also double this up with episode number 34 with the most amazing filmmaker, Mark Cousins, who has made this 14-hour marathon women make film uh, with 183 women filmmakers. Not to be missed, you're going to come out of it enriched. So that's it, folks. Uh, Take good care of yourself. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the festive season. Be good to others. And do not loiter around as if the pandemic is over. No, it's not over. We are still under attack.